In this episode, we're going to talk about attending conferences, Gail Cengage Learning, and Thorndike Press. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Let's Tech About Learning podcast. This is your host, Jennifer Schaefer. Stay tuned for some great learning tips, best practices, and awesome tech tools. So I've just come back to Texas from spending three days in New Orleans, Louisiana, attending LeCue. Now, LeCue is the Louisiana Conference for Tech Integration in Schools. It's like if you lived in Texas, you would attend TCA. That's our big state conference. Um, But most states have an organization that promotes and offers professional development of education technologies in the educational setting. And that's what LeCue is for Louisiana. This conference was held in New Orleans at a hotel there. And like most conferences, there were keynote speakers, there was a couple of spotlight speakers this year. It was Richard Byrne for, he's from Free Tech for Teachers, as well as Casey Bell with Shake Up Learning. And then there are breakout sessions that you can attend any number of topics of your choice. And those were put on by um, just teachers who submitted sessions. I was actually very interested to see how many teachers from Texas had come to this conference and presented. I think there were about 2,000 attendees in total. So for a state like Louisiana, um, that's a smaller population than Texas, that's a really great turnout for them. And of course, there is also going to be a exhibit hall where there are tons of options for trying out new products and looking at what's coming out for education whether it is hardware, software, lots of different things. Um, I personally got to play with a Z-Space, a virtual reality platform, and hold a beating heart in my hand and take it apart so I could see the valves. It was really, really cool. So thinking about how we could put virtual reality into classrooms when obviously we can't take our students into an operating room and let them have that experience live. Um, Virtual reality is helping us to do that. But I love conferences and you know I will go to a number of them throughout the year. In fact, I'll go to as many as I can get away with because I love to learn. Now, whether or not it's um, a good thing or a bad thing, I'm always looking to learn something new. I love documentaries. I listen to podcasts um, constantly, especially true crime and real life kind of podcasts. And I'm always looking for opportunities to learn new things. So uh, I attend as many conferences as I possibly can. Now, one of the things that you need to remember about conferences is there is lots of information thrown at you in a very short period of time. And so at the end of the podcast, I want to give you some tips on how to successfully survive your next conference. If you have never been to an ed tech conference, whether it's in your state or a neighboring state or a international or national conference that's in your area, I would suggest that you go. It's like no other event. I just love conferences 
regardless of what the topic is, because it's like a shot of your content or your passion um, in a short period of time to help get you over the hump and get you some new things in your toolbox. But at the end of today's session, let's talk about my tips for surviving conferences. One of the reasons that I went to LeCue this year was to do a session called We Researched, Now What? Ideas for Digital Projects. So when I was in a library full-time, um, I always had my students access to wonderful vetted research databases. Uh, and over the years, they changed depending on the school I was at and what, what was already in place before I got there. But my last library, um, I purchased databases from Gale Cengage Learning that I really love and endorse and support. And that was the basis of the session that I did at LeQ. Um, I did it in, in association with Tammy McGee, who is the sales rep for Gale databases in my area. And so I will share that presentation on the website for the podcast, letstechaboutlearning.com. But I just want to kind of run through with you right now the reasons that you need to have a database system for your students, and I recommend Gale. These are the reasons I recommend Gale. But before we get to that, I want you to think about how important it is for our students to know how to research. Now, research is different than Googling it. I can find out whatever I want, where things are, where I can eat, what's open, just by a quick Google search. And that's great for surface level learning, but our students are gonna need to be prepared to do more than surface level learning. They need to be able to do academic research to solve real problems, to really critically think about activities, and that requires more than putting something in Google, finding a Wikipedia article, and a YouTube video. They really need to know the language, the vocabulary, and they need to know how to look for and read vetted resources from quality sources. And Gale is one of the ways that I would teach my students how to do that research. Now, the way it worked in my library, uh, teachers would bring the kids to me before they started a big project. We would go through the research process, look at how to use the resources. We would talk about the print resources in our libraries, which still are incredibly important. But I would also show them these wonderful digital resources that in some cases are the better choice over print. Now here are six reasons why Gale is the choice for me when it comes for dat to databases um, using with my students. Now I, at the time, I was working with a high school um, set of kiddos, but Gale is accessible. They have products all the way down to PK and K. So know that these kinds of features that I'm gonna talk about are also available to use with their products and your littles. The first one is translations. I'm from Texas, and we have lots of people in Texas, children specifically, who speak other languages as their first language. Now, I've mostly worked with students who spoke Spanish as their first language, but we have such a diverse state that you may encounter other languages other than that. So one of the things that I really love about the Gale platform is that it is translatable. So the 
platform itself, the interface itself, can be translated into over 40 languages. That means that when a student who sits down doesn't know any English, is say Spanish is their language of their home language, the one that they know, we can push one button and turn the whole interface into Spanish. That way they know where to search, they know what to click, and they can see how to use the product. Once they do their search, we can also, with another click, translate the article of information that they get into over 60 different languages. So not only can they find it in their home language, but then we can translate that article so that they will be able to understand. The second feature that I really love about Gale is its audio feature. This is wonderful for my English language learners, but it's also great for my students who are reading below grade level. And we know that a large population of our kids fall in that category. Not only can they turn the text into an audiobook by just pushing play, but if you've translated the text into another language, it reads it for you in the language of the translation. So my student who is just moved here from another country, their home language is not English, they can not only translate the words, but have the audio read it to them in their home language. The third thing I really like about Gale is their feature that allows you to highlight and annotate inside of the articles that you find. Now, I am a huge fan of working smarter, not harder. So I would always encourage my students to color code. So there are six to eight different color choices in Gale, and you could select and plan in your pre-research project um, kind of outline which color is going to mean what. So if I want all of my yellow to have a certain theme and all of my green to have a certain theme, then as I research and read the articles, I can do that highlight and annotation and automatically my project is starting to organize itself when I use that highlight and annotation tool. The fourth thing I love about Gale is its integration to Google Drive and Microsoft. So I can log in with my account. If your district is using Microsoft 365, you have a Microsoft account. If you're using Google, you have a Google account. You can log in using that account and automatically transfer the data that I'm finding in Gale that I've highlighted and annotated and download it directly into my Google Drive. That way I don't have to worry about remembering where there is a link. I don't have to remember how did I search, what terms did I use to find that. Uh, I don't have to take a picture of the screen and then I just have a picture of some words. I can easily send that to whatever word processing platform that we are using in our schools. If you're using Google, you can also instantly send it as a teacher, instantly send an article into Google Classroom. That's integrated as well. Now I know specifically about Google because that's what my district uses, but there is integrations into other learning management systems as well. Now the fifth thing that I love about the Google databases is something that doesn't happen to the books on your shelf. It is constantly updated and they're constantly adding new topics. So I was teaching um, a set of 
classes one year I had a group of them on a Friday and a group of them on a Monday and all over the weekend between those two classes Nancy Reagan passed away by the time we opened up our databases on Monday that had all been updated in fact one of the highlight stories the featured stories was about her and her life now if i had sent my kiddos over to the encyclopedias on my shelf they would have found a lot of information but it would have been wrong a it would have said that she was still living but my encyclopedias were so old that it would have said ronald reagan was still living so giving them access to the most updated information that we can is really what we need to do as educators and Gail allows you to do that. And I love the fact that they're constantly looking for new topics to add because I'm not having to wait for a book to be written on that topic that I can then buy and add to my collection. That's months or years in the future, but this is constantly updated and added new topics are added all the time. Now the sixth thing I really love about the Gale databases is their topic finder option. So there is a visual, it's fairly recent, um, and you can type in a topic and it will bring up either a set of tiles or a wheel and it will break that visual down into smaller chunks of subtopics. And it allows you as the user to pick a topic and then explore subtopics. A lot of students are really, it's really hard for them to pick a small manageable topic when they're doing research. They'll come in with something huge like the Civil War. Okay, well, what about the Civil War do you wanna learn? And it's sometimes hard for them to drill down. This is a visual that lets them uh, get some assistance with drilling down to a more manageable, uh, size topic and I really like that. Now there are tons of reasons to use digital resources. There's tons of reasons to teach your students to use print as well. But when you're looking for a digital resource that your students can use for academic research and that you can teach them how to do that research right, I fully endorse Gail's products for that. Um, and the six reasons that I just gave you are the reasons that if I was ever back in a library, I would purchase Gail for my school again, again, and again. So look for a rep, gail.com will give you all the information you need. You spell Gail, G-A-L-E.com. So I also mentioned um, attending exhibitors when you are at a conference. And I did that at LaCue this year, and I saw something that I had not really thought about, um, and I wanna share it with you. So for starters, I am a huge fan of student choice, especially when it has to do with learning and reading, and allowing students to read what they want, learn what they want, give them that agency, and allows them to own their learning, and it's just so much more powerful. Now, one of the things I hadn't thought about before attending the queue and visiting with this vendor was giving students the choice of format. I met Sabin McAlpine with Thorndike Press, and they sell large print books that I had not realized that ha giving students the format of large print, uh, giving them that option over just regular print is 
a great way to meet the needs of your struggling and striving readers. Now, we also have been for a long time buying audiobooks for those kids, but giving them these options as text to read for themselves, there's lots of research showing that students are making huge strides in their reading levels by using large print books. So I had the opportunity to sit down with Sabin and I wanna share that interview with you. Now remember we're in a exhibit hall, there's gonna be a little background noise, but I think that the audio is good enough that you're gonna hear uh, what she has to share. So I'm here at LeCue in New Orleans uh, with Sabin McAlpine with Thorndike Press. Um, and this is the first time that I have ever seen this particular product. It's sold through Galeson Gage Learning. Um, and I'm so excited to talk to Sabin about the product. And we're talking about Thorndike Press's big print books. So thank you for visiting with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. So as a librarian, um, reading books and having students have access to books at their level was really important. How does the big print books that you guys sell, how does that fit into that? Yeah, what we do is we take really high interest titles. So we're taking titles that kids are reading, that the kids want to read, and we put them into a larger font size. So we put them into 16 point. And when you do that, when you put something in 16 point and you increase the white space on a page, it makes it a much more engaging um, format and much engaging read so that kids can um, be inspired and it encourages them to want to read. So as I was really interested in the fact that looking at two books, um, a regular size print book and the large print, um, they weren't any wider. How do you make that magic happen? Yeah, that's what I always say. It's funny you say that. I always tell I always tell librarians and teachers as I speak with them that hey, we're just we just do our magic. Um, Basically what it is, is we do, we have them so they're the same size and they look the same. We look, they, we always put the same covers on the books and they don't say large print. But the biggest factor why they're the same size is our paper quality. We use a high opacity paper, which is a thinner paper. It's the highest quality paper that you can get. It doesn't bleed through. Um, and because of those factor, because of the, that factor, um, and use, utilizing a little bit of the white space, we're really able to make it so it looks the same size, so there's absolutely no stigma for any child that has a large print book in their hands. Yeah, I know I am a big fan of uh, giving students voice and choice in what they read and not calling attention to the students that are reading below grade level. And that's one of the things I really liked about this product, that a student can be getting that additional support that they need um, without it being a red flag or a neon sign saying, I'm reading a book that's different. Um, so what kind of successes have you has your research shown with these types of books? Yeah, so we have a lot of great anecdotal information and a lot of information about how it's working well in the classroom by increasing fluency, um, comprehension skills, and overall engagement. When we put the books in the kids' hands, I will tell you, their first reaction is something like, wow, where did you get these books? These are great. These words pop out at me. I feel like I can read longer and I feel like I understand more. And what the kids are saying is as what's actually happening. We're finding that um, when put in a classroom setting, we're seeing reading scores increase 40 to 60%, which is amazing, especially for these kids that have struggled with reading. You know, they already see themselves as not doing well. They see themselves as not being having the ability to be able to do, to read well. And when they can start seeing themselves do a little bit better on test scores, all of a sudden their confidence just blooms. And if we can give them just a little bit of confidence by putting something as simple as large print in front of them, then that's a win.
Yeah, and reading is, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, but reading is such a pivotal skill to success, regardless of where you go after school. Absolutely. I mean, you need to be able to read no matter what. If you think about in today's day and age, especially with everything that's being put in front of kids, you know, if they don't know how to read, they're not even going to know what's true or what's not true or not know how to research that. So just being able to understand and have that, you know, that vocabulary is critical for kids. Something else that I really liked about the product is I don't, I can purchase directly from you guys, but I don't have to. I can use the vendor I'm already using, like Follette and Mackin, to get the, this high-quality product in front of my kids. So who all sells this? Yeah, so we want to make sure that we can get books in the kids' hands. The most important thing I always say is that we want to flood kids with books, giving them choice in format and giving them choice in books, right? So um, when you take a look at where you can get our books from, we make sure it fits in the workflow of whoever wants to purchase them. So you can go to anywhere from Mackin and Follett, like you mentioned. You can certainly purchase direct through Thorndike Gale. You can even go to places like Amazon to find our titles, Children's Plus, Permabound. It's really whatever fits into your workflow, what works well for you works well for us. So how many books are currently available? Yeah, we have a little under 300 titles available. As I'd mentioned, the titles that we have available are the high interest titles. There are titles like Wimpy's and the Harry Potter's. We make sure we have all the current titles like The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas and also her new title that's coming out, Kwame Alexander. Make sure that we have a really diverse selection. So, you know, the with the, in that 300 titles, um, there are going to be titles that you, every student, every teacher, every librarian will absolutely be familiar with. And that list continues to grow. Um, we're doing, we just published another 40 titles with the middle school bracket for the fourth through eighth grade. So I have been a lover of Gale's databases for a long time. And as a librarian, I want to put those in the hands of kids. But before this, um, Gail was concentrating mostly on nonfiction, and this, these are all fiction titles? For the most part, yeah. There's a small selection that are nonfiction, so um, Hidden Figures might be a good example, the Young Reader's Edition of a nonfiction title we have. But the majority is pleasure reading fiction. Um, Gail actually has owned Thorndike Press since 1999, and that's been our primary focus um, for adult fiction titles. And uh, we just started publishing the, the young adult titles about 10 years ago when there was a crossover appeal for like the Harry Potter. And we've just, um, just been continually expanding upon that. Yeah, and I love the idea of, say, you mentioned The Hate You Give, um, really popular right now, the movie yes, is out. Yes. But I love the idea of using that fiction book um, in the large print and tying it to some of the resources already available, say, in um, the, the Gale databases. Uh, that lets the students then dig further into the content, especially on some of those topics that are so relevant to what's happening right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great way to keep kids excited. I mean, these kids are so excited about reading some of these books because the books aren't just the books, and the books are out in movies like The Hate You Give, for example, or Wonders, another fantastic right. title that everyone's reading and talking about that right. had a great movie with a fantastic message. Why not expand their knowledge? You know, take that excitement and let them learn about something new. And I've worked at a district where they did one of those one, read, everybody reads the same book, yep. and Wonder was the book that they read. And it makes me think, I wonder how many students could have benefited from having that in large print when it was a required reading for everybody. And I, maybe they didn't even think about that as an option being available. You know, I always say large print is a format that's accessible by all. We have kids of all different reading levels reading large print and enjoying large print. It could definitely be somebody that's struggling or striving 
for whatever reason that could be. They have English as their second language, they're dyslexic, they have a learning disability, like my daughter. But also, we have avid, voracious readers who enjoy and love large print because it's a sense of accomplishment. There's fewer words per page and they're getting through that faster. And I th the thing is, is that a lot of librarians and teachers just aren't aware that they're available. And then when they think about it, they think about large print being these big, old books, when in fact they're not. They look identical to the regular print. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I'm super excited about looking at what Thorndike Press has to offer to our students. Um, so I'll link some information for you on the website. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. I hope you consider adding some large print books from Thorndike Press to your library or classroom collections. Uh, really seeing a lot of success with students who need that extra support. There will be a link on the podcast website. So here's my suggestions for making conferences hugely successful for yourself. First one is plan your attack. So usually there's an email that comes out bef before a conference, there's a website, there's maybe an app where you can look at what sessions are offered. Plan ahead and decide where you wanna go. And you may wanna have a first choice, a second choice, and a third choice. Because depending on how big the conference is, sometimes the rooms won't accommodate as many people as wanna attend a session, so you'll have to go to your backup choice. But always plan ahead. You're going to want to wear comfortable shoes because you're talking about lots and lots of walking. Um, most of the time they're at huge hotels or at conference centers and in order to accommodate all the sessions that you're, they're spread out all over the place. So make sure that you're wearing comfortable shoes for all of that walking. Come prepared with water and snacks. Usually a conference center, um, unless the meals are provided with your conferences, um, there will be options to buy and a lot of times they're expensive. Plus, you may want to see a really great session that happens to, to be at your lunch hour and so you can't go to lunch when you want unless you miss this really great opportunity of learning. So come prepared with your own snacks and your own water for those kinds of emergencies. I think you need to spend some time every single day decompressing and kind of reflecting. Um, maybe it's at the end of the day, if you went with a group of people, you meet up and you talk about what you've learned that day. Maybe you journal, maybe you blog, but find time every single day to think about what you're learning and kind of decide what you want to prioritize in your own life, what you want to bring back to your students, what kinds of things and applications that you can make out of what you're learning in order to really own the, the learning that you're doing. Spend conference time networking. And I'm not just talking about the vendor dinners with the free food, but talk to people whether it's the person sitting next to you in a breakout session or a person standing in front of you in line for the bathroom, talk to people because you'll see that many, many educators have similar issues, similar challenges, and the more people that you can kind of brainstorm with, the better off you are. Most of the time, conferences are incredibly overwhelming. You feel like a sponge that is completely and utterly saturated by the end of the day or at the end of the conference. Don't let that be a burden or a stumbling block for you. 
pick one or two things that you know you can turn around within a day or two of going back into your classroom or back into your school and use those. Don't think you have to do everything at once. Pick one or two things, use them immediately, use them until you're awesome at those, and then pick something else. But don't let that learning go to waste because you you got so overwhelmed that you don't even know where to start. Now, I hope you attend tons of conferences this year. I hope you love them. And I hope to have you join me next time. Thanks for listening. Catch us next time on the Let's Tech About Learning podcast. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Plus, visit our website at letstechaboutlearning.com. Until next time.